Welcome to the Faith Lakeside Podcast. Each week you'll hear another great message that will help you know God and make Him known in your life. Join us each Sunday at 1045 a.m. and throughout the week in small groups to make the most of your learning experiences. Now, sit back, relax with a great cup of coffee and a notebook and enjoy this week's message. The, uh, the book of Philippians, the letter of Paul to the church in Philippi. Hopefully you have opened your Bible up. We're looking in chapter 3 again this week, the uh, last little portion of chapter 3. Or, or among the last portions of chapter 3. I encourage you to, to read in your Bible or to open up the Bible app. You should be able to find today's event in there with all of the sermon notes, so you can save those for later. So just reminders. I like to, to always bring us back into where we've been because I know it's been a week at least since we've interacted with this for many of us. Some of us, it's been a couple of weeks. So to bring us back to uh, the, where we are and, and how we got to this place so that today's message makes more sense. We remember that Paul makes this statement, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that's where the, the, uh, the title for the sermon series, To Live, comes from. For us to understand that living is supposed to be for the sake of Christ because we as Christians have this amazing hope and joy knowing that death only makes things better. That we, in death, receive the fullness of our salvation, while in life, we're still working through its application. So, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And then in living, Paul encourages the Philippian church and us to understand that we are citizens of heaven, and we should be living our lives in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. And so the question, of course, is, well, what's the gospel worth? Well, when we look at what Jesus did for us, when we look at the price that was paid for us, the only begotten Son of God came, put on flesh, lived a perfect and sinless life, died on the cross to absorb the wrath of God and pay the price for your sin and mine, was buried and rose again on the third day. This seems like a pretty valuable thing. And so we should be living our lives in light of the value of the goodness of God revealed in Christ Jesus. And so when we have trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, there should be a change. But Paul also warns us not to fall into the trap of following after false teachers. He says there are dogs and evil workers, those who would uh, encourage us to mutilate the flesh, to live lives of legalism, to live lives of trying to follow perfect rules instead of following after a perfect Savior. He says, watch out for them because we are the ones who are truly circumcised. We're set apart. We're made perfect. The old has been cut off and we're made new in Christ Jesus. And so we are supposed to be worshiping by the Spirit of God, worshiping enthusiastically and wholeheartedly, boasting in Christ Jesus, not putting confidence in our own good works, but instead putting confidence in the Savior who claimed us and called us out of lives of darkness. Paul, ultimately, after saying, listen, if anybody could earn their salvation, it was me, but since nobody can, I count all of that as worthless Because the big goal in my life is to know Jesus Christ, to know the power of His resurrection, to know the fellowship of His sufferings, to be conformed to His death, 
knowing that or uh, trusting that the day will come that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. This is what it means to, to live for Christ, to live unto Christ, is to pursue Christ in all that you are, and this results in a changed life. And so in verses 12 through 16, the Apostle Paul continues to to just expand on this idea of pursuing Jesus Christ as your goal and my goal and his goal and the Philippian church's goal in living. So let's look in scripture together and read from Philippians 3, 12 through 16. Uh, Just want to remind everybody, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, It's a Newer translation came out in 2017, but as always, the translation that you prefer, those, the, every modern translation is faithful to the original languages, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. And so while they read a little differently sometimes, we know they're all based upon the same original documents that we would call the real Bible, if you will. And uh, so just know that it, because you're translation might read a little different. doesn't mean yours is wrong or mine is wrong. just means that translating from Greek to English is a challenge. And uh, it's always a, a little, little bit of a, as art as much as it is science. So that's why the translations are a little different. So here we go. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Paul begins to talk about his goal. He says, Not that I have already reached the goal, or I'm already perfect, But I make every effort to take hold of it, because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. So here we go, just another handful of verses And we're going to go through them bit by bit to understand what it is that Paul wants us to understand about himself and about our own Christian walk. So he says that the goal, it comes up again, not that I've already reached the goal. Now, we've got to go back and say, what is the goal? What's the goal of the Christian faith? And this is not something that we answer oftentimes in a way that's biblical, a lot of times we will answer this question, well, uh, the goal of the Christian faith is to go to heaven. The goal of the Christian faith is to, to live a better life or to be good people. I, I had a discussion with someone uh, earlier this week that, that the goal of Christianity, that shouldn't we be making the world a better place? And well, yes, but no. And, and we could talk about that more if we had more time. But the, the, the thing is, is, there is a single goal, Paul tells us, to his Christian walk that should be common to all of us. So what is this goal that he hasn't taken hold of yet? Well, he says it earlier in verses 10 and 11. He says, my goal, the reason I walk this faith, my goal is to know him, to know the power of his resurrection, to know the fellowship of his sufferings, to be conformed to his death so that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. 
What is Paul's goal? The goal he has yet to achieve is this simply stated knowing Jesus. Knowing His resurrection power. What is the resurrection power? It is that if God the Father is able to raise up Christ from the dead, how much more is He able to raise us up from addictions and habits and bad relationships and to bring us new life in those areas? If He can bring a dead body to life, He can bring a dead soul to life a dead spirit to life, a dead, a dead emotion to life, to know Jesus Himself, to know His resurrection power, to know His suffering, to understand the price that was paid for your life and mine on the cross. You see, the Apostle Paul is telling us the goal of this Christian faith, the goal of living this out, is to know Jesus more intimately. It's also to to come to the point where we are conformed to his death. And that is a picture of being dead to sin and raised up to new life. We see it in baptism. We see it in the life of, of everyone who's truly a believer. With the ultimate goal, that gain that he talks about, of being resurrected on the day that Jesus Christ returns and makes all things new. And we see a new heaven and a new earth and we are free from sin and its effects upon our bodies and our spirits. And so Paul is painting a picture of a Christian faith that is focused not on what do I get out of it, but knowing Jesus more fully. Walking with Him, experiencing Him and His life and His power and His death more fully in every aspect of life. Paul doesn't say, I walk this Christian life so that when I die, I get to go to heaven. He doesn't say, I do this Christian life, I I chase after Jesus so that I can be a better person. He says, "I, I come to this, I pursue this, I live this because the whole goal is Jesus himself. Knowing him better, looking more like him, serving him with all that I am. So he says, not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already perfect, But I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. So this this, this thing he's saying, I'm not perfect yet. I'm not like Jesus yet. Interesting thing about Paul, as we look at his life, as we try and understand his history and when he wrote this letter to the church in Philippi, he had been a Christian for about 30 years. So here's Paul, a Christian for about 30 years. He's been on a couple of different missionary journeys. He's planted churches uh, in in Asia Minor. He started to plant them in Greece. And, And so we see the churches expanding because of the work of the Apostle Paul. He he has given so much. He's been beaten for the sake of Christ. He has been kicked out of cities for the sake of Christ. He has been imprisoned for the sake of Jesus. So here is this man who's been saved for as long or longer than many of us, who has experienced so much for the sake of Christ, who has been pursuing the life of Jesus for years and so much more successful than many of us would consider ourselves. And we look at him and he says this, 
I'm not there yet. I have not reached the end of this Christian life. I haven't reached the goal of what it is to follow Jesus Christ. I don't know Him like I want to. I don't know His power like I need to. I'm not dead to sin like I want to be. In fact, later on in his life, even after this, the Apostle Paul calls himself the chief of sinners in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, written much later in his life, closer to his death. And so we, we see here that, that Paul has this really clear-headed understanding of himself as a Christian. And that should be an encouragement for you and I, but also it can serve as a point of judgment for you and I. If at any point in your Christian life, including today, you think you're done, you're wrong. You think you've arrived, you think you're good enough, you're holy enough, you think you deserve to stand up over everybody and say, you should be like me because I'm perfect. You're wrong. Here is a man who had every right to say to the Philippian church and to you and I, I got it all figured out. Do it like I do it. Instead, he says, I'm not there yet, and the only thing I've got figured out is that you and I need to chase after Jesus. That you and I should recognize our shortcomings day by day, not in a sense of, oh, what worms we are, but in a sense of, there's so much more for us to experience in Christ. There's so much more of this Christian life that is available to us. And what is the impetus? What's the thing that should drive us to take hold of the goal, to take hold of knowing Christ better, to take hold of ex uh, experiencing His resurrection power, to, to take hold of being dead to every sin that besets us? What should drive us on in that is the knowledge that we have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. What is so cool about the Christian life is that it's, it's God who does the work to redeem us through Christ Jesus. And it's Christ himself who has grabbed a hold of us and called us his own and said, I love you, I have saved you, I am redeeming you, I am making you new, and the day will come when everything will be perfect. And because he has done that for us, Paul says that should be our motivation to chase after him and know him all the more. Sometimes I think about my wife. Uh, well, I think about her a lot. Uh, can I rewind that and just start over? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, I think about her a lot. But it's interesting about our relationship. Um, and, and she'll admit this is that I was, I was not interested at first. And it was mostly because I've always been scared of girls. Um, so just, just, you know, to put it bluntly, just I'm scared of girls. I, there was one time, I actually I went out on a date with a young lady in college. Uh, we had a good time. And the next time I saw her walking down the sidewalk, I actually ran into the woods and hid. Because um, I just, I didn't know what to do with that. Uh, now, that was before I met Shelly, but I wasn't much better uh, with, with Shelly. I, I had a friend uh, who kept working to get us together because she was, you know, asking him to help, uh, things like that. She actually will tell you in our, our story that um, when she saw me, 
she knew I was the one she would marry, which I think is ridiculous. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, I was, I was like skinny and weird. I cut my own hair. I was walking around with my pocket knife like I was MacGyver uh, and just like, you know, doo, 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 I'm, I got this. Um, and she loved me. And, and she, she chased me down. I mean, not in a metaphorical sense. I mean, literally, she chased me down and, 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 and convinced my friend to convince me to go places with her and her friends. And, and so I, I look back at that and I go, I don't know why she would pick me, but I'm so thankful she did that she chased me down, that she took hold of me. She called me her own, even when I looked at her and went, ah! (laughs) Do you know what that has inspired me to do now 27 years? Wow, coming up this fall, or this this July? (laughs) I, I don't even know why I said fall. Our first date was in the fall. That's what I was remembering. Thank you, babe. She knows me. She doesn't hold things against me. There's, there's grace. Mostly because even though I haven't always done great things for our anniversary, I remember it. Usually we're at a church event. But um, the, the thing is, is what does that inspire me to do? It inspires me to take hold of our relationship and to do my best to grow it and preserve it. And I haven't been perfect. And she, there are stories and ones that I am so ashamed of, and ones that I'm sort of proud of some moments. But I I seek to be the right husband I'm supposed to be because she chased me down. I didn't deserve it. I I don't deserve this life and these three beautiful kids and 27 years of marriage, and and I, I don't deserve that. And she chased me down, and now I do all I can to, to take hold of what she's offering to make sure that our, our marriage lasts, to, to make right choices. And, and I realize that I'm putting it in a, in a very street kind of way, but, but Scripture tells us actually that it is the marriage relationship that reveals the love of Christ for His bride. It, it, it is this marriage relationship that kind of opens our eyes to our relationship with God through Christ Jesus. And I, I know that not everybody's marriage has been perfect, but, but I can't tell you that your relationship with God can be ever increasing in perfection, if you understand you have been grabbed a hold of. He has chased you down. When you found him to be awkward and scary, he still came after you. He chose you. He loves you. That's what Paul is telling us. And that knowledge, once, once he, we are called out, we are drawn out, we've made that profession of faith, and we see our lives begin to change in Christ Jesus, we can walk in confidence knowing, I'm his and he is mine. And it should inspire us to pursue the goal, to know Christ more, to know the power of his resurrection, to be tired of being dead in sin and want to be raised up and dead to sin as we walk with him more closely. Here's, here's what Jesus himself says in a couple of places in John chapter 6, verses 37 and 40. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me Unless they make me really angry, I will never cast out. He, say, he doesn't say that. Unless they're perfect. Or, no, he says, here's the deal. When you come to me, I will never cast you out. I hold you tight. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. 
Who is it that uh, that, um, will, will have eternal life? Everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him. When He calls you out, you are in His hands. You are grabbed a hold of. Your destination is sure. Your path is certain. But live like it's certain. That's what Paul's saying. I've been grabbed a hold of. And now I seek to grab a hold of Jesus and all that he has for me. John 10, 27 through 29, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Listen. Paul is just giving us this picture, this, this, this thing to understand about the goal in the Christian life. It is to know Jesus, to know the power of his resurrection, to know uh, and participate in him with his death, and, and to be able to, to walk in new life, looking forward to that day when we will be raised up. So we want to pursue him And we want to take hold of him because he's already taken hold of us. Brothers and sisters, I just I want to flip the script for us a little bit when it comes to popular Christianity. A lot of us we were we were presented the gospel and we were told things like, you know, this is how you get to heaven, or God has a wonderful plan for your life. And 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 your life will be made perfect when you follow him. Paul is so clear here. The goal of the Christian life is not heaven. It's not morality or being a better person. It's not you having the good life. What's interesting is that later on in the book of Philippians here, Paul is going to tell us all the things that he has suffered for the sake of Christ Jesus. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What he really is saying, I can suffer all of this because my Savior is with me. The goal of the Christian faith is not heaven or morality or the good life. And if you have been sold, believe on Jesus so that you'll go to heaven one day. That's falling short of the truth. If you've been told, believe on Jesus and follow after him and you'll be a good person. That's not what we're here for. That that. You believe on Jesus and and then you start naming and claiming scripture and and he'll have to give you the good life. That's not it. Paul says the goal of the Christian faith is relationship with Christ. Period. But it comes with some benefits. The benefits of being in an ever-increasing and growing relationship with Christ Jesus, knowing the power of His resurrection, walking with Him, growing in His likeness, the benefits of that relationship, guess what they are? Eternal life, right living, and abundant life. We just said the Christian life isn't about heaven or morality or the good life. It is about the relationship with Christ. And guess what you get as part of that relationship? The eternal life you're seeking. The morality, the ability to do right that you long for. 
and the full, abundant life, not perfect, but abundant life that can come only through relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Did you see the shift? I hope, I hope you can understand what Paul is trying to help us get from is a, a transactional thing. I believe in you, Jesus. Give me good stuff. Make my life better. Make me a better person. Take me to heaven when I die. To a place where we understand that the Christian faith is about, I believe in you, Jesus. I want to walk with you. I want to look like you. I want to talk like you. I want to know you more. I want to rise up from the dead like you. I want to be dead to sin like you. I want my life to be yours completely. So that when people look at me, they will make fun of me and say, you're nothing but a little Christ. Why, thank you. I appreciate the compliment. When I look at you, all I see is Jesus. Hallelujah. May it be so. And guess what the benefits of that are? When you know Christ, when you are in relationship with Him, when you are resurrected with Him, when you know the power of of overcoming sin and death with Him, you get the gift of eternal life. You get the privilege of being able to, to be a good person because of the power of the Holy Spirit within you. And you get the joy of abundant life, full life, even when life is imperfect. It brings us back to our gospel presentation that we've, we've talked about over and over again over the last couple of years. It's this understanding that we were created by God to be in relationship with Him, to live according to His standards, But the tree reminds us that that we have all rebelled like Adam and Eve at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We have earned for ourselves the wrath of God and His just punishment. And we've been separated from Him. But He sent Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, the second person of the Trinity, who came and put on flesh and lived a human life just like you and I did, without sin though, that He might serve as a sacrifice for our sins pay the price for our sins, absorb the wrath of God, and make it to where we can come back into relationship with God through Him. Now the benefits are, of course, heaven and morality and abundant life, but it begins with understanding you need a relationship with God through Jesus Christ first and foremost. That's the focus of what we are. That's the focus of what we do. And we shouldn't be selling lies like, ah, go to heaven if you believe on Jesus. Instead, it should be the truth of, know Jesus. And that's all this life was about. It's what we're all made for. It's all, it's the goal for all of us, Christian or non-Christian. It should be to know God. Thankfully, the Christian knows the truth. It's only through Christ Jesus that that's possible. The question that comes down every day is, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to choose to do with your heart and mind? So here we have Paul. He says, I want to meet this goal. I want to know Jesus. I want to know his resurrection power. I want to know him deeply and intimately. That is the one goal in my life. And then he says again, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. Sounds a lot like what he said earlier, doesn't it? I'm not there yet but it's what I want. I'm not there yet. Be both encouraged and challenged. You wake up in the morning and say, I don't know Jesus like I should. I don't pursue him like I want to. I haven't chased after him like I should. You're not alone. 
but also be challenged if you reach a moment and say, no, I think I'm good. I'm good enough. I can skip, you know, my faith for a couple months and I'll come back when I feel like I need something again. Baloney. You're not there yet. You need Jesus as much tomorrow as you did today, as you did yesterday, as you did the day you were saved. And you need to be chasing after him and pursuing him. Paul says, I haven't taken a hold of this. I haven't grasped this. I haven't achieved this yet. I haven't been able to jump up and and reach the goal yet. But here's what I'm going to do. Forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. So he says, I'm not there yet, but I'm going to forget what's behind me. Now, this is kind of a double thing. Paul is specifically talking about all the good things that he has accomplished. All of the, the list of, of, of righteousness that he says he could hold up and, and prove that he's good enough that he's mentioned earlier in this passage. So he needs to forget that, but also it can apply to forgetting about the things that we've done wrong. Forgetting about our past failures and shortcomings. Forgetting about the sin and leaving it behind. The sins that, that, that beset us, the sins that tie us down, that in Christ Jesus we can begin to put them behind us and run towards what is ahead, knowing Jesus better. It's this picture of running. Anybody ever do much running? Um, I did not. I was a sitter more than a runner. Um, I, I did play soccer for a while. And I did take gym, you know, where you had to run the mile every year for time. I don't care what the president thinks about my fitness, right? <clears throat> but anyway, um, you know, but just when you think you're doing good, you know, and you're stroking along, if you look back, do you know what happens? You slow down and somebody passes you and you're not the fastest kid in the class anymore. It's like, oh, I just wanted to be the fastest amongst the fat kids. You know, I'm just, come on, Lord. But you look behind, you, you look away, you get distracted from the goal, and you lose. If you were a serious runner, you've ever run and competitively, you understand. You don't look back to see who's behind you. Doesn't matter if you hear feet pounding down. You keep your eye on the finish line and on the goal, and you keep pressing ahead. It doesn't matter if you were fastest off the block or the last one off the block. It doesn't matter if you stumbled halfway through the race or you have been going the whole time making hay. It doesn't matter. You keep your eyes on the finish line because as soon as you look back, you'll falter. You'll stumble. And it doesn't matter if you're looking back to see how far ahead you are or to see how close you are to failing. Looking back causes you to stumble. And Paul says, I'm not going to look back anymore. I'm not going to look back at my accomplishments. I'm not going to look back at my failures anymore. I am going to keep pressing on towards what is ahead. Reaching forward. If you caught any of the Olympics uh, these last few weeks, speed skating is kind of interesting. 
The rest of it, it's just, okay, flips and whips and fast, but speed skating, sometimes that's kind of interesting because I like the short track because that's just like bumper cars on skates. But, but the, the speed skating is amazing because you can have two competitors kind of neck and neck right up to the finish line, and then one of them will do this. They'll do this thing, and, and it just like they stretch out and stick their foot out. Yeah, and you're looking at me going, he can't even do the splits. <laughs> no, I told you. I played chess in high school. It, they, they, they do this thing, or, or when you're watching the Summer Olympics, what do they do? It's that, it's that lean forward thing. I don't, uh, I'll look like an idiot if I try it again. But you've seen it in practice, right? You've seen it happen in a race where they get to the end of the line and they don't just give up and say, all right, that was good enough. But to win the race, they stretch out in these these ridiculous ways, you know, skate ahead or leaning forward because they're not satisfied with just crossing the line. They want to cross the line at the best time possible. They want to win, but even if they're not a winner, they'll stretch out, they'll, they'll, they'll lean for that line, they'll try and accomplish as best as they can. Paul's painting that picture of a, a runner who keeps their eyes focused to what's ahead. Stop looking back, whether it was good or bad, and keep running the race toward Jesus Christ. And reach forward. In fact, strain forward. Leading uncomfortably, stretching yourself out. That's why we offer things like, like Sunday Bible school. It's why we offer opportunities like we're talking about with the Bible roundtables. This is not just an ad. This is a, why do we do the things we do in church? Because we want to see you focus on what's ahead and actually start stretching yourself out towards the goal of knowing Christ. To start being uncomfortable to start trying to achieve more, to start trying to cross the line sooner, realizing you're, you're always going to keep striving and need to keep striving, but, but the things that we do matter, the choices that we make in, in getting to know Him, they matter. And we shouldn't be satisfied with our Christianity as it's always been. It's good to be saved, isn't it? It's good to know where you're going. It's even better to know Christ deeply and intimately this side of eternity. And so Paul says, I want to forget what's behind. I want to strain forward to what's ahead. And he says, I pursue, I chase after, I go after. The the word pursue here in the Greek, I've got to look in my notes to remind myself, it is actually a hunting or a racing term. This idea of pursuit and reaching forward, it's, it's similar to a predator chasing its prey. It's, it's akin to an army chasing an enemy who needs to be destroyed. It's a picture of an athlete who is trying to, to go all out to accomplish a victory. This is not I pursue one day a week as it fits my schedule according to my desires. This is, I chase after. I have made it my life's goal. I do it all the time, every time. I pursue, I'm on the hunt to know Jesus Christ better. I'm constantly trying to see His face. I'm constantly trying to understand what He wants 
of me. I am constantly trying to be resurrected from sin to know the power of his resurrection and allow it to, to raise me up to new life so I'm not subject to those things that used to taunt and torment me. I pursue him because my goal Going back to the same goal, knowing him, the the power of his resurrection. My goal is the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Uh, The picture here is still of a race. What's interesting is if you won the race, you would be called up on the platform with the judges and receive your, your prize. Now in this day and age, it probably was just a wreath made out of, of branches. And you would go, what? You know, come on, where's the really good stuff? But, but what's the prize that we're promised in Christ Jesus? Gain. I mean, you could just put it that simply. To live is Christ. The prize when we live for Him, when we know Him, when we pursue Him, when we die, when we're called up to heaven, when we're brought up on the platform and given the prize for how we've lived, it is nothing but Gain. And you might think, well, that, that's, that's not enough. I, I want to know the details. Do you really need to know the details? If God says he's going to give you good, can't you rest in those promises? Now, we, we know he actually does give us some details about what that good looks like. A resurrected body on a new earth. No pain, no suffering, no sin. Where we get to experience the fullness of Christ's glory all the time. This gain, this prize, is beautiful. And that's why Paul says it's worth pursuing Jesus. It's worth chasing after him. It's worth getting to know him better. It's worth living a life to his glory. Because it's worth it. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. There are a couple of times in his letters to churches where Paul is the king of passive-aggressive. And this is one of those times. Look, here's the truth. Jesus is worth pursuing all out. And everybody who's mature will think like me. Doesn't that feel like a little bit of a slap? Well, I don't think that way. Well, it's okay. If you're mature, you will. Oh, he's calling me immature as a Christian, isn't he? He may very well be. What's your goal? Why are you pursuing this Christian life? Is your goal in living out your Christian faith just about heaven? Is it just about being blessed this side of eternity? Is it just about being a good person or trying to make the world a better place? You're chasing after the wrong things. Paul says your focus is wrong. You're not doing this this right. You are immature in your thinking. The truth is, the goal of the Christian life is Jesus and knowing Him and knowing His power welling up within us and walking with Him in death and resurrection. All of us should think that way. If you're mature, you'll think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to you also. (laughs) He essentially says, The day will come when you'll realize you're wrong. And it's okay. I'm not going to harass you about it. You're going to realize, oh my gosh, Paul was right. (laughs) Yes, 
I was, he will say, but not because this truth was from me, but because it was revealed to me by our Savior Jesus. You see, he's not saying he's perfect, right? He's already told us over and over again, twice. I'm not there yet. I'm not all the way here. But I do know the truth. This Christian life is about pursuing relationship with God in Christ Jesus. Not about the things we want out of it, but but Him. And if you think differently, the day will come where God will wake you up and reveal to you the truth of the Christian life. In any case, even if you haven't reached that day, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Now this actually, I could take this one, one verse and turn it into a whole other sermon, but I won't do that today. Because what he's saying here is in this circumstance, be the Christian that you know you should be, even if you don't quite understand what I'm saying. Even if you haven't matured to a point where you can say, my whole life is about Jesus. Live the life that you know you should live up to this point. Walk the Christian life as you understand it, as faithfully as you can, trusting in the day when you will understand more. The problem with a lot of us, and myself some days included, is I'm not even willing to live up to the truth that I already have. Even while I cry out to God, why don't I experience you and know you more? How come I don't, you don't speak to me like I want you to? How come I don't see blessings like, like I long for? How come, how come you know, I don't see salvations all around me every day like I, I wish could happen like that person has? And God would likely say to us, you're not even living up to what you already know to be true. Why would I, why would I bless you with more? when you haven't even been faithful with what I've blessed you with. Now, Paul is trying to write this as an encouragement, saying, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, do this Christian life the best way you know how, the best way you understand. But I hope the day comes that you can be like me and your goal can be Jesus. That's it. Jesus and your relationship with him. So, couple of questions just to finish out our time this morning. I really want you to think about, whoa, did I do that? Because that was really fun. Hmm. I could too eventually. There we go. How about... The questions. That was, I don't, did you fall asleep, Erica? You fell asleep and hit the space bar, didn't you? <laughs> it's okay. Listen, I, I have told a number of people, if you come to church and you fall asleep, I am so pleased with that. That means you're comfortable. And that means you have found peace. I don't want everybody to sleep every week. Don't think that. So don't stay up extra late next, next Saturday night. But, but like, like if you struggle with staying awake when I'm preaching, first of all, I understand. I have slept through some of the best preachers in the world, right? Um, I did that in college. But, but also, if you fall asleep, it's okay. Like wives and husbands or whomever has the elbow problem, um, let the person sleep. If it's the best nap they get all week because they're at peace with God and enjoying the presence of his people, hallelujah. Um, 
So that, that was a little aside. Anyway, so it's okay that you fell asleep, Erica. I don't mind. Um, but what's your goal in, 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 in salvation? What's your goal in pursuing Jesus? If it's all about you, there's a good chance you're doing it wrong. There's a good chance that your focus is off. Paul's telling us, I want you to come to a place in your Christian walk where you're chasing after Jesus. So, second question, do the things behind you distract you from pursuing Christ? Are you allowing the things behind you, either your accomplishments or your failures, are you allowing them to to distract you from pursuing Jesus? You're fixating on those things? I, I had a revelation the other day that I say I can't too often. And a lot of times I will blame my own personality. Anybody else do that? You, you might not think this. Um, I'm actually like one-on-one and in, in smaller groups, I'm a bit of an introvert. And I also, I wear out really quick in crowds, which is another sign of being a, a, an introverted person. But too often, I will use my introversion as an excuse. Well, God, I could never do that because I'm an introvert. Well, God, I can't step out into that because, you know, I have ADHD. Well, God, there's just no way. I mean, I just can't. You know my failings. And he's the one that's calling me to more. He's the one that's telling me, keep your eyes focused ahead. Why do you keep looking back at the way that you used to describe yourself? Why do you keep looking back at your failures? Why do you keep looking back at your weaknesses instead of looking to me and trusting in my provision to move you forward? Why do you keep looking back at that sin from high school and letting it define your life? Why do you keep looking back at that success after college and allowing it to limit your spiritual growth? Why do you keep looking back, whether good or bad, instead of looking toward Jesus and pursuing him? Are you maturing in your faith? Can you honestly say that you are more mature today than you were a year ago? Two years ago? What does it mean to mature in your faith? According to Paul, Jesus is more central in your life than he's ever been. That's what it means to mature in your faith. Maybe it starts with, right now, living according to what you already know. And this is a really slap-us-in-the-face kind of thing. Because there are people people here today who are struggling with pornography, and they know it's wrong, but they won't seek help. There are people here today struggling with addiction of some sort. Pornography is an addiction, but I'm talking about a a substance abuse. And you you refuse to get help. You, You keep failing to live in what you already know because you don't want to grow. You don't want to mature. You like where you're at. Brothers and sisters, that's not acceptable. That's not the Christian life. There's some of you that are, you're addicted to romance novels or gossip. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick on guys and ladies equally. Any, never mind. I was going to ask them. Any guys like romance novels? That's just weird. <laughs> if you do, it's okay. I just, I don't know that I'd understand. But, but, but are you refusing to seek, to, to seek help, to seek guidance, to, 
to turn your life over in a way that you already know? If you are, don't wonder why you're not growing and knowing Christ. Don't wonder why God won't speak to you, why, why you're not maturing, if you won't stop cussing when you've been convicted of it. Now, what's interesting about a preacher, right? He's got one finger pointing at you, and he's got three or four pointing back at himself, depending upon the position of his thumb. I, I argue with Paul every day. He said he was the chief of sinners. I know I am. I know I'm the worst sinner that's ever lived. But I want to live according to what I already know so that I might mature in the faith. Why? Because I want to put aside the things of the past. I want to pursue Jesus Christ because I understand from what Scripture says, what Paul is teaching us, that the ultimate goal in my salvation is not heaven. It's not being a better person. It's not overcoming sin even. Ultimately, it's about knowing Jesus. All those other things happen as I dig in deep and get to know Jesus better, as I read the Gospels, as I participate with His revelation in His people, as I grow in study of His Word and in serving others around me. What's my goal? To know Jesus. Do the things of the past distract us? They do, but we shouldn't let them. We should be maturing in our faith. And it begins by living what we already know. Because... Ultimately, for me, for you, for everyone who has called themselves as belonging to Jesus Christ, said he's mine and I am his, for us to live is Christ, to die is gain. And so we should choose to live this life differently, pursuing him wholeheartedly and allowing the things that we know we should be doing to be done that we might grow in maturity in Him. I invite the worship team to come on up and, and uh, as we get ready to close out with our last song of the morning. If you're in a place where you need help living what you already know, I want to encourage you to find a brother or sister that can help hold you accountable. Especially if you're struggling with some of those sins that you hate but can't get over on your own. I'll, I'll say beyond a shadow of a doubt, something like pornography is a sin that if you do not drag it into the light, you will struggle to overcome. A sin like gossip is one, if you don't drag it out and have somebody that will hold you accountable, you will struggle to overcome it. A substance abuse addiction, you've got to confess it. You've got to find help. You've got to find others to help you live out what you already to know to be true. So I want to encourage you during the time of this last song, if you need to find someone to, to, to pray with you, grab a friend, grab an elder, grab a teacher, come pray at the, the front or pray right at your seat. If you need someone to hold you accountable, go find them and ask, will you help me overcome this? I know it's wrong and I want to follow Jesus all the more. You see, it's really cool to hear a sermon and go, amen. But until we live it, it doesn't matter. Now, if you get up and go find somebody or you come up here and pray, we're not all going to imagine what your sin is. Because if we're honest with ourselves, none of us are where we need to be. All of us are the chief of sinners. But you were the brave one and you finally asked for help today. So I want to encourage you in that. 
Grab somebody, pray together, ask for accountability, confess a sin, seek to live up to what you already know that you might go even further in pursuing Christ above all else. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for what he did for us. We thank you for the price that was paid for us. Help us who have made a profession of faith in him. We have believed in our heart that you raised him from the dead. We have confessed with our mouth that he is Lord. Help us to live what you've already convicted us of. Help us to live up to the truth that we already know so that we might go even further in maturity and know your son Jesus even better. Lord Jesus, thank you for all that you have given for us. Earlier in Philippians, we have learned that you gave up the rights and privileges of heaven. You set them aside to serve us as our Savior. And we are so thankful for that sacrifice you made. The sacrifice of your own standing, the sacrifice of your own privileges in order to be sacrificed physically for our sins. We're so thankful for your resurrection and the power that's revealed to us in it. This morning, we pray that we would be resurrected from sin, that we might be brought up into new life, that we might begin to live what we already know so that we might mature and pursue you all the more. You are good and gracious. You are our King. You are worthy of all praise and glory and honor and power and strength. And so help us to be focused on you as the goal and knowing you as the prize. It's in your name we pray this morning for freedom from sin, forgiveness of our shortcomings, and the power and authority to rise up and be like you. Amen. Your love is like radiant diamonds bursting inside us. We cannot contain your love will surely come find us like blazing wildfires singing your name God mercy sweet love of mine and I have surrendered to your May this offering stretch across the skies These hallelujahs be multiplied These hallelujahs be multiplied
Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. God bless you all this week. May you genuinely pursue the Christ of your salvation, the Jesus who gave it all for you, that you might know him and now know the power of his resurrection and know his suffering. 
and in so doing, grow closer to him. Encourage you to join us throughout the week. We've got stuff going on uh, soon coming up. The ladies will be kicking up again. So ladies, be putting that aside on your calendar schedule on your Wednesday nights. Thursday night, student ministry uh, here at the church from 6 is snacks. 6.30 is the lesson. And so that's downstairs in the youth room until 8 o'clock. And then this Friday, we've got 1829 here up in the sanctuary. We're going to have pizza and watch The Chosen. And then the kids ministry will be downstairs at about the same time doing an event. So more details on that. We'll be with your kids or coming out an email this week. And please uh, return your surveys, just the questions on the Bible roundtable, so we can know if this is a ministry we need to kick up and get going or if it's just a little too soon (laughs) and uh, we're not quite ready for it yet as a church. So God bless you guys and have an amazing week. Pursue your Jesus.